This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. How is your plant world doing? You'd like to talk about it? Well, you can simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And leading off every Saturday morning is the Good Gardening Stroll. Afterwards, we'll discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, what's going on with that hillside, why does it keep eroding away even when you put mulch on it, Shrubs, lawns, ground covers, anything at all planted in your outdoors. Or we can step inside and have a look at your tropical world. From everything routine care and maintenance to uh, impacts of pets on indoor plants. Well, a little bit, not a whole lot. But anyway, and we'll be talking about uh, potting mixes versus potting soils, prunings, insects, uh, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting. Taking cuttings and beyond. I'll share my knowledge and help you. Hopefully, it'll help you make a decision. But the action you're going to take is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about your plant world from me. Very Another very important player is James. He's producing. So when you do call in, he just needs your first name, and he'll put it up on the computer screen, and then we'll go from there. And by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world and do a walk and talk. That's what I call a consultation. My website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get strolling. And this good gardening stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I live, you know, in South City, but I knew today was going to be the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And so I left a little bit early so I could make it all the way here without any kind of roadblocks or anything else. So I got here plenty early. But I thought, well, what should I do? Well, let's do uh, part of the St. Patrick's Day Parade route and I'm going to start on 15th Street and go down Market. That's where the Stiefel Theater is in the Opera House. And that's uh, Frankie Valley's coming. There's all sorts of other people going to be coming real soon. And uh, that's going to be at the Stiefel Theater or Opera House. I don't know which one is which. 
But out in front, there's going to be some boxwood that you're going to see while you're watching the parade. Oh, yeah, you're going to be watching, checking out the boxwood rather than watching the parade. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's lawn there. There's some hollies. There's oak leaf hydrangea. And the bear statues that are in front of the Stiefel Theater, there's a reminder there that says, uh, don't climb on the bears, please. There's numerous pots. There's topiary arbor, you know, Topiary in there, there's arborvitae that have been pruned, there's junipers, there's gold thread branch cypress, and some nandina. The nandina looked like it took a little bit of a beating during that cold spell early in the winter or whatever. And then next door, as we head towards eastward, uh, the old 22nd Judicial Courts of Missouri building. It's really massive and it's really ornate. I'm surprised nothing has actually happened with that yet. So it's still vacant. Uh, it looks like something that uh, condominiums or something could be made. Across the street, across market, there's benches and there's hand-washing stations and plenty of Johnny on the spots. There's vendors already setting up their, uh, t- you know, underneath their tents and everything else. Then lawn spills down towards City Hall. And that's where some crepe myrtles are, a flagpole, and a statue of Laclede who founded St. Louis in 1764. So all the, you know, also going on now is squirrels were bouncing all over the place and uh, the squirrels were wondering, wonder what's going on today. Hopefully there's going to be some food left over for us. And, uh, you know, the activity was getting more and more just in the time it took me coming down here, parking and then walking and everything else. So more and more cars are coming. Some of the streets are still open right now. The parade doesn't start till 12 o'clock. But soon Market Street obviously is going to be shut because that's where the parade is from 20th, uh, 20th Street down Market to all the way to Broadway. And then there's all kinds of side streets are going to be closed. And there's a race that's going on, a foot race. And that's going to have an impact on street openings and closings and everything else. So this is just kind of a crazy time. And uh, St. Patrick's Day, I'm partly not a whole lot, but somewhat Irish. When you look at me, you would go, huh, he's not Irish. But if you look at one of my or one of my brothers and my sister, they actually have red hair and look very, very, very Irish. So uh, I just sort of missed out on that part. But who cares? Anyway, so if you do have any questions or concerns, lots of stuff is exploding in the outdoors, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And making some action, taking some actions now and making some decisions can have a great impact on what's going to be going on later on, whether it's adverse or good or anything else. So this is a time of year where this is probably, what, the final week of wintertime, and then spring starts real soon. So I guess that's why we have to have these 30-degree temperatures here in the last week of winter. So just to remind us, you know, this is really what winter's like. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Local news and information direct to your smart speaker. Just say, play KMOX. Yes, folks, as we look out the window, uh, we're looking actually west 
We can see in between uh, the Soldiers Memorial and uh, an apartment building, there is the Market Street and all kinds of activity, flashing lights and everything else with the St. Patrick's Day Parade set up. So anyway, let's go over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hey, good morning. Hi. Uh, glad to be on your show. Uh, question about zoysia grass. Okay. Um, now, I cut mine kind of close and everything, but I've been told every, I don't know, three or four years you need to power rake. That is, you rent one of these power rakes, you run it over there, and you rent a lawn vac, and you suck it all, all the thatch up, and then you hit it with fertilizer. And that, that supposedly uh, thins it out so it can spread out better. Is that right or wrong? Well, I mean, you can do it that way. I don't use a power rake. I've got zoys of myself. I just rake it on a routine basis, whether it's you know due to the leaves or anything else. And then right. uh, with all the debris that I rake up, I just uh, you know take it back to the yard waste dumpster. So oh, you okay. can do you know probably my concern would be more so with like uh, doing core aeration, uh, where you get right. you know. As opposed to power raking, because power raking. Oh, I do. I, I do the coration for real. I, I do that. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't. I you know power raking. That's a you know that's a lot of work, and I don't know if your zoysia really needs that. And for I don't know who's you know where you saw or where you read or who told you that it needs to be thinned out occasionally. That's not really necessarily the case as long as it's healthy and you're doing everything that you should, fertilizing and core aeration yep. and everything else. Then I don't know why it should be thinned. Yeah, I hear you. Um, boy, when I do do it though, Mike, you know, when you run that machine over it, right, it leaves like a thatch thing, like an inch and a half, two inches thick, you know, to pick up. Right. And when you look down, it, there's like dirt, you know, and 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 you know the the grass. You know what I mean? It's like it really lifts all that thatch out, and I kind of wonder why I'm getting all that thatch. And, I, who knows, but I'll try raking on it, you know, four or five times in a cut season. But anyway, I, yeah, I, it, you know, one of those power rakes are not cheap, you know, to rent. <laughs> neither is the lawn vac, you know. Right, but, right. You know, uh, but when you pull like a, a big 55-gallon drum of thatch out of your yard, you're like, wow, you know, it's, that was three, four years worth. Right. But I appreciate the information, and sure. um, and I'll I'll try that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, the power Thank you raking. Very much. Yeah, the power raking is to you know that amount. It just uh, you know I can kind of understand the concept, but uh, let's put it this way: I don't think zoysia farms. So in other words, where they grow zoysia sod, I'm not sure if they do any power raking on their sod. There's Zoiza at all. So that's where I'm kind of coming from with that. So thanks, Jerry. And now let's go over to Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Mike. Um, I got a question about my peach tree. I have never um, cut it back. And it's out of my reach, of course. Um, But is it bad for me to do it this time of year and... Uh, I mean, is there a spot where I shouldn't shouldn't be cutting it down too low? Well, in essence, if you cut it now, are you getting fruit off of it, first of all? Oh, yeah, every year, yeah, if I can get it before the squirrels. 
<laughs> so, in reality, as long as it's healthy and everything's looking good, the only thing I would, you know, if you prune it now, then you're cutting back or you're cutting off a lot or potentially a lot of flowers. Consequently, your fruit production is going to be reduced. So, as long as everything's healthy, if you're not getting too much fruit on the branches and causing cracks, then I would say just leave it alone. And if okay. you start to get too much fruit, that you start to see there may be some uh, fissures or cracks as a result of the weight of the fruit, then in the future you should go ahead and when the fruit starts forming, like uh, remove, you know, let's say one out of every three or something like that. So that would reduce okay. the weight. Okay. Okay. All right. So just go ahead and, and for right now, just let it be and... Right. I mean, because I can't reach half, you know, half of it. And I was going to, I bought one of those netting things to try to throw over the top of it, but I don't know if I could get it over the top of it. But uh, <laughs> it, I, I mean, I bought a huge net for it, which I'm not sure whether or not that's a smart idea or not either. Right. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of those options that you can do, but it's not necessary. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just battle the critters again. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Um, we do have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As this is, uh, let's say, the end of uh, winter and early spring, remember, your south-facing yard is going to warm up first and start looking for bugs, be it thrips, aphids, mites, Pine sawflies, tent caterpillars, scale, bagworms, beetles, white flies, whatever. Uh, various types of uh, bugs that have overwintered as adults, eggs, larvae, or pupa, or whatever it happens to be. And they can be on the tree trunks, in the tree trunks, in the bark, the limbs attached to uh, all kinds of different things. Or they can even be uh, kind of stuck to the side of your house, if you can believe that. So what you want to make sure that you do is they're going to start becoming much, you know, very, very active. And the first kind of activity, which is going to be when the, the maple trees start flowering and they're already started to flower. And then there's going to be a second wave of insects, too. And that's going to be when the redbuds trees are in flower. So it's, way, it's too late to apply a dormant oil, but you can apply various other types types of organic or inorganic chemicals to control any of the insects. The majority of them, not all, but many, most of them have to, like you know, if you're going to use it for an insecticide, has a contact, hit contact with the bugs that you're trying to control. So just kind of understand that. So the maples are in full flower right now. And so that's the first wave. And then the red buds are really already opening up or close to it. A couple of my neighborhood are open. And so there's two waves that have already happened. Now, there is a sort of a not a dormant oil, which that would be one that you spray in the wintertime, but a summer weight horticultural oil that you can spray and a minimal damage to, uh, you know, the plants or anything else. So just kind of keep that in mind. Let's head over to John's yard now. Hi, John. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a, uh, I've got an apple tree, and uh, I just kind of wondering uh, would be best time to trim that thing. Would it fall or spring or what? I, I really don't know. 
Well, if you're growing it and trying to get fruit off, I was like the lady with the peaches. Uh, okay. The best time to you know prune it would be after you know the fruit has you know been harvested. So right. if you if you prune it now, then you're just cutting off the flowers and you're reducing you know opportunity for fruit yeah. on the branches that have been removed. But beyond right. that, that's about all you need to do. And then doing a dormant oil spray during the wintertime, if you do have any kind of insect problems, would be something that you could do. Okay. And what, what should I say? I don't trim, trim now, prune now, wait till it falls. What should I spray on the tree now for uh, this next season? Yeah, basically, it's a little bit late. You can't spray the dormant oils. So you could get okay. a, a summer weight horticultural oil and spray that. Or you can get an insecticide that's a systemic, and that's one that you apply actually to the ground. It comes up through the vascular system. And then if there's any insects that are problematic, then it's going to kill them that way. So you can either that or wait until you actually start seeing some insects. And uh, consequently, then you could apply an insecticide to that. Or you can go to your, uh, not every garden center is going to have that, but there are predatory insects that you can put on the plant materials, and the predatory insects will take care of the problematic insects. Yeah, I've got a uh, old remedy uh, farmers down here. I, I'm down here in southeast Missouri, close to Cape Dorada, but uh, they, they, they've told me to paint a white ring around the trunk of the tree. That, that keeps the insects off. <laughs> I don't know if that is or not. You've heard that one. Well, yeah, I have, but, I mean, what about the ones that are flighted? <laughs> Maybe That's come. right. Yeah, they go past that. <laughs> yeah, really. They could care less about okay. something around the truck. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, thanks. I appreciate your help. Sure, my I enjoy pleasure. your show. I listen to you every Saturday. Well, Thank great. You. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Uh-huh. And okay. also, you know, when you're heading outside, besides the insect problem, start watching out for those uh, weed situations. And I've had a couple uh, emails, a couple phone calls and with the... You know, pre-emergent, is it too late to apply a pre-emergent? When the weather was getting warmer, I was saying, yes, it might be a little bit late. But now that it's cooled back down, you may go ahead, if you've got a pre-emergent, and apply it. And that pre-emergent will, maybe there's already some weed seeds that have germinated. But maybe there has there is some that haven't germinated yet. And that's the pre-emergent will help control that. So you can still apply a pre-emergent. Pre-emergent won't do any kind of damage to, let's say, your lawn or anything other than germinating, you know, seeds that are germinating. That's the only thing it kills. So if there's already weed seeds that are germinated and started to grow, it really won't impact them at all either. So, but if you think you, if you historically have had a weed problem with, let's say, the annual cool, you know, warm season weeds, the cool season weeds, they're pretty much, uh, they're already growing, so it's not going to do anything to, you know, to kind of control those. But there are other things, and the the warm season weeds, annual weeds that are pre-emergent would control. The yellow forsythia is still in bloom, so that's why I'm saying you could probably go ahead and put the pre-emergent down. But the warm season annual weeds include ragweed, uh, crabgrass, barnyard grass, foxtails, and knotweed, and purslane, and several other types as well. So uh, get out there. Weed control is very difficult because that's one of the worst problems with most of our lawn circumstances. 
Uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Along with the weeds creating a hassle, also the animals are going to start being very active, especially moles. You know, so the moles are going to be tunneling. Why do they tunnel? Well, they're what they do is they hear earthworms crawling around right below the surface. That's what they towards they tunnel towards because that is their main diet. So these other things that uh, people say, well, if you control the grubs, you're going to get rid of the moles. No, not necessarily, because if you have earthworms and generally if you have a nice yard, you're probably going to have some earthworms there. Right now, to let you know if there is earthworms in your landscape, there's going to be small piles, probably like maybe a half inch to three quarters of an inch high and about an um, about the same diameter just kind of lumpy stuff. And that's where the earthworms are actually, it's called worm casting. They're pushing their manure up near the surface. So that's a good way. I've got a, probably three or four different locations where uh, in my yard, which I have a you know, south side yard, and it's relatively small, but uh, actually quite a few earthworms. And consequently, you know, the worm castings are already popping up. And then what that means is the mole's, are the earthworms are active? That means the moles. But luckily in the city, there's really not too many. You know, I mean, maybe in the parks and things like that, maybe some of the yards, maybe some of the areas. But in my, our, you know, our particular area, there really isn't a mole problem at all. But there is mice, and uh, mice can do some damage to several different types of plants. So just realize they can be munching on them, and, you know, so that's kind of a— somewhat of a hassle and uh, other things that need to be, you know, kind of washed out. Just as your spring flowering bulbs finish blooming, you can go ahead and cut those flowers off. and uh, But leave the foliage until the foliage is about half brown, then you can cut that down. But the foliage should be left as long as possible, and you can leave it longer than when it's half brown. You can let it go all the way brown to the ground and then cut the, you know, the the foliage off because the foliage is what builds up the bulbs for the following year. And some of the bulbs, like the daffodils, I've got some that I probably planted. Well, we moved into our house about 16 years ago, I think. And I probably planted some of the daffodils that are still blooming at that time uh, through tulips. Really, I get one or two seasons out of the tulips and then not too much past that. So it's just our weather and everything else kind of limits, you know, the lifespan of those particular, you know, of the actual bulbs. Crocus, I've got some crocus that probably planted right in when we first moved in, and they're still growing. And uh, they're up uh, purple and, you know, yellow right now. And uh, with the cooler weather, at first I thought, oh, gosh, you know, they kind of popped up early because it was so warm. The ground was warm, and that's what triggers the uh, the actual growth. I thought, oh, these things are going to be gone really quick. But then it kind of cooled back down, so that's really something that's really uh, kind of nice. And what you maybe you don't have any bulbs, you know, spring flowering bulbs in your yard. The minor ones, they're planted closer to the surface. So, in other words, the size of the bulb that you're planting, crocus are fairly smaller 
only about an inch or so in diameter. So they only go down about, uh, you know, two inches deep. And the bigger the bulbs, the daffodils and uh, the tulips, they go down about four to six inches. Grape hyacinths, they're relatively small. They're even smaller than the crocus. They only go down about an inch or so. And uh, all kinds of, you know, as soon as the bulbs started coming up, the foliage-wise, then I fertilized them with half the label rate of just a, a miracle Grow type fertilizer that I mix up in water and just pour it on it. And uh, so I've, I've probably fed them, uh, let's see, maybe every two, every two to three weeks. And I continue flower or continue fertilizing until the flowering is finished. And then uh, once the flowering is finished, then I don't fertilize them anymore. And uh, like I said, that's when you uh, can go ahead and uh, think about uh, you, when your spring bulbs are now, you can head out to your favorite garden center and maybe check out some of the uh, summer bulbs, the gladiolas and the cannas and the dahlias and the caladiums and the tuberous begonias, elephant ears and all that other stuff because that just adds a little bit of drama to uh, your landscape in general. Let's head over to Sally's yard. Hi, Sally. I have a question about my holly bushes. Okay. They've lost almost all of their leaves this year when ordinarily they retain leaves in the wintertime. Right. I'm wondering, is it too soon to trim them back or should I wait till new growth comes out if it does? <laughs> well, they're probably still pretty flexible. So it was that cold snap that was early on that did some major damage to lots of different kinds of plants especially the broadleaf evergreens, and that's what's most noticeable. But uh, I would say you could go ahead and don't prune too much, but take a look at them, too, with your, uh, if you've got, uh, it's probably a little bit too early for them to be in flower, but like the boxwood or broadleaf evergreens, they suffered some damage as well, but they're in flower right now. So not that you're with uh, either one of those that you're growing them for the flowering, you're really growing them for the foliage. So you can prune them, just don't prune them drastically because if you prune them back too far, then you're getting to the point where there may not be any functional, let's say, foliage buds left on the stem. So just be cautious, prune them a little bit and just kind of then wait. And you can always prune them again in the future, like the following next year, but uh, don't prune them back too much. Drastically. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So if you have any questions or concerns, we got phone lines open, so you can just give us a call. And uh, other things that are going on in the outdoors, if you live in an area where deer are problems, guess what? When you're heading to your favorite garden center, this is a time of year. First of all, if you're you know planning on uh, doing some new installations to your landscape, you've got a favorite plant in mind because you found it online or you found it here or whatever it happens to be, or a friend of yours is growing it or a neighbor has one. Just realize that uh, a lot of times we just don't plan on the mature size of plant material. And we install it. It does great but it overgrows the space and can cause real trouble. So just always keep that in mind. And uh, maturity, I mean, the whole growth cycle and everything else, the proximity, the closeness to the house foundation, 
especially if you have uh, if you're planning on putting like broadleaf evergreens more so than the you know the the conifers, the junipers, and and yews and things like that. Broadleaf evergreens close to the house uh, they don't really like it that much because the uh, alkalinity of the house foundation can cause some soil problems for those particular plants. Then you're going to have to, on a routine basis, add some you know, iron sulfur or iron sulfate or just kind of keep that in mind because they have to have an acidic soil to look healthy and dark and green. Let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Uh, we have an old, old redbud tree that's rotted away. And we're going to take it out. And what I want to do is to put a maple in the same hole. Can I can I replace it with a different tree? Well, you really shouldn't place it in the same hole. So even though yeah. the, the redbud trees, let's say, dysfunctional as far as aesthetically above the ground, there's still root system wood there. And though maybe the root systems are not functional anymore or anything else, still that the woody aspects of that – as it breaks down, it can bind up nutrients and moisture and things like that, and that could have an adverse impact on any kind of new, you know, installation. So that's what you really have to worry about is the existing, uh, you know, roots, even if the plant is dead. Well, how far away? Probably, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say probably maybe five or six feet. You should be, you know, pretty good at that. Can I replace it with the same redbud? Sure, absolutely. And that, but I mean, in the hole. No, don't. Again, the root system on anything you put back in that same hole, the existing tree's root system is not gone away entirely yet. So as it starts breaking down, that's going to again bind up the nutrients and moisture, and it's going to make it real trouble for anything. Thank you. Okay, well, it's such a small area. I don't think I've got five feet to go away from it. Okay, well, we'll we'll think about that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, because, I mean, you just can't put something right down in it. You know, you can't plug it in this. It's not like an outlet that, you know, you can stick a plug into. And let's say your lamp burns up or whatever or goes bad, and you can just put a new plug, you know, a new lamp with a new plug in that spot because that's where the outlet is. This plant material doesn't work that way. Hmm. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks, Linda. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to uh, Amy's yard. Hi, Amy. Hi. Uh, you were just about to tell what to do if you have deer, and we're going to have a big vegetable garden. What is What can we do to protect it from well, deer? Uh, basically, you know, if it's a summertime vegetable th- circumstance, the deer are not going to be all that, you know, all that much problem because they have lots of different things to eat. And if you have a lot of deer in your neighborhood, though, then consequently they will be there. I would probably the best thing to do or to think about is, you know, putting and this is kind of 
you know, I mean, you can use repellents of all different kinds and things like that. But I think around a vegetable area, I would hang bars of Irish spring soap because that smell is something they really dislike. And that would be probably the repellent that I would use as opposed to one that you're going to have to spray onto something. Right. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, I mean, put them about Irish Spring soap, uh, you know, get some kind of thing that you can just hang them on like a fence post, individual fence posts and just wire it, uh, you know, to the fence post. And maybe about every six or eight feet, uh, put a, you know, another post with some more Irish Spring soap. Great. We can do that. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go from Amy's over to Kathy's. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. You were talking. You were talking about um, mold. So, if um, the growers aren't the issue, how do you? How, we have mold, and I don't know how to get rid of my mold. Well, basically, traps are the thing that uh, historically that I have used when I worked at the botanical garden and uh, other places. There's also there's a an injection that you can put into the ground that actually smells like earthworms. You can go to your favorite garden center or check online to get this stuff. And you inject it into a mold tunnel, and then the mold will come across it and say, ooh, this really smells good. It smells like an earthworm. Eat it, and it's poisonous. So that's, you know, another way you can do it. Okay. All right. I appreciate the the, um, information. Yeah, and with the traps... uh, the traps have to be re i mean relocated every few days, and what you have to do is just kind of watch for the mold tunnels to pop up because that's the area they're going to be most active with and so consequently, you want to put the traps where the you know they're using that particular tunnel because after a while they figure that they've eaten most of the earthworms in that area already, so well, we'll go a different direction, and again, they just listen for the earthworms. Movement, and that's what draws them in one direction or another. Gotcha. That might be our issue because we've just we put the traps up and then we just leave them. Yeah, you, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Hi. Um, I have some leery rope in my yard, and it's the spreading kind. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the problem is it's around a lot of uh, big oak and hickory trees that I don't want to lose, and it's it's kind of shallow soil. So what can I use to uh, to kill that, the leery rope, without killing all the trees? Yeah, the liriope really doesn't impact your trees whatsoever. They, I mean, it can grow right up to the trunk and not do any damage whatsoever. So you don't have to really worry about that. No, I'm trying to kill the, you pronounce it differently. How do you pronounce, liary rope? Yeah, liriope. Liope, okay, thank you. I didn't know. But anyway, so how do I kill the liope without killing the trees? That's what I'm asking. Uh, Any kind of herbicide basically uh, will kill, you know, like a grass killer will kill the liriope, but it won't have an impact on the trees whatsoever. Great. So use a grass killer. Right. Because of narrow blades, and that's why a grass killer will work. Perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. And, again, you don't need to do that unless you just want to because they don't – it's your choice. 
Yeah, I want I want rid of this stuff because it just spreads like crazy. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> so you have a pretty healthy circumstance because uh, it definitely does spread. Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep, my pleasure. And three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Uh, we've got uh, time for if somebody can give us a, a call for a quick question. And uh, so, I mean, if you or you can just wait until the the news at the top of the hour and call then. Uh, roses. This is a time of year where you want to get your roses pruned, whether the shrub type, whether the hybrid teas, grandiflora, floribundas. But uh, with the roses, the like the knockout, the shrub type, I would say probably about 20 percent would be about all I would cut off those. And with the other ones, they require a much more severe pruning. And if you're going to do it, the pruning needs to be done real quick. So if you don't get it done quick, then just go ahead and leave them alone. And uh, let's see if we can get in. Is this Linda? It is. Hi. And the liriope thing? Yeah. I had a neighbor that was trying to help me by mowing my grass. And he mowed down all of my liriope around a big oak tree that I had. Uh huh. And it 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 wouldn't it never came back. Really? And so I actually went out and bought more liriope because I liked the way it looked. So <laughs> maybe you should just try a lawnmower. Well, that's true. I mean, he must have cut a he must have scalped it down because he had really damaged the yeah. the oh. crown of the plant. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I I was so sad. Right. So sad. <laughs> he was being helpful. But uh, this guy might save himself a lot of a lot of uh, angst if he just puts his lawnmower down close to the ground and mows that stuff away. Yeah, and you just have to be really careful too, because once we get close to the trees uh, and do that, there's going to be probably a lot of surface roots, and the surface roots that could damage your actually mower blade, and it could damage the tree roots a little bit. So just kind of keep that in mind, and so. Right. But that's great insight. I've never really known that anybody could cut it down to kill it off. <laughs> it was it was a sad day. Yeah, I'll bet. Because, yep, and replanting all of that, it yeah. took a long time to get that stand back the way it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, my experience with Little Ryope was when I was uh, at the Botanical Garden, the English Woodland Garden, uh, just watching. the. We had some clump types, which were more or less in with other plant materials as accents. They were usually variegated with a yellow stripe on the blade. And then the other one's a spreading type, which is a more has a more narrow blade, but it does spread. It, in the woodland garden, we used it to fill in some areas that uh, weren't you know, developed yet. Because when I started you know, at the woodland garden, it was just basically a brand-new garden, uh, at the Botanical Garden. Now it's been around for a long time. But uh, I haven't been, probably it's been a year or so, so I had to head there and just kind of see how the uh, liriope is doing, along with all the other plant material. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these, after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline. That is a tip of the trial hour, which is a special on-air recognition for an individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week or maybe for a long extended period of time. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to the plant world, either inside or out, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions can range from making a uh, selection for plants in a specific location, how to care for them, talking about uh, what should be done during peak seasons or during the humdrum times, whether it's your annuals, whether it's your spring or summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials, those cascading or upright growing house plants. And how about those cool season lawns versus a warm season lawn? Shrubs or classic roses, well, we a lot of different stuff we can grow here, but our weather does have a lot of control on, let's say, continuous success. But uh, if you're planting correct in a good location for the particular plant, then it's probably going to give you the exact aesthetics that's what you care for. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but simply offered for you to consider. And another very important player in this game that we call the Garden Hotline is James. He's producing today's show. So when you call in, James will answer the phone. And while he's doing pushing all the buttons and everything else, and all he needs from you is your first name. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and check out your plant world, which which I call a walk and talk. You go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage has my email address and phone number. And several people have contacted me, and I've got uh, some options for uh, dates and times, and I'll email those to you either tomorrow or 
I will do it on Monday, depending upon how much energy I have. Anyway, the tip of the trial is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Again, this week, uh, the tip of the trial goes to various garden clubs throughout the entire uh, metro, er, metropolitan area, like uh, Three Rivers Rose Society, which is up in uh, Alton. And uh, they meet uh, basically each month from March until October. So this would be the first, you know, first month that they they meet. They don't meet during the wintertime. Another one is Time to Garden Club from Centralia, Illinois. Town and Country Garden Club as well. And the O'Fallon Garden Club. That's the O'Fallon. Is that O'Fallon? That's O'Fallon, Missouri, not O'Fallon, Illinois. But uh, the O'Fallon Garden Club supports the Bluebird Sanctuary and all kinds of different stuff. The the neat thing about these garden clubs is everybody that's there is very enthusiastic about one particular type of plant or one particular type of situation, and they love to share their information with you. So if you're a beginner, this is something that could be very, very helpful to you. And if you're not a beginner, it's just kind of neat to meet and talk with people, even if it's, uh, say, a type of plant material that you're not really all that familiar with or you don't necessarily care about all that much. You'd be surprised at how much when you learn about a particular plant type, how much more enjoyable it can possibly be. So that's the tip of the trowel for this week. Let's go ahead. We've got a couple calls, and we do have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. How you doing this morning? Very good. Okay, I talked to you last week or whatever about the damage of the tree, the flowers I got, but they all got, like, brown spots on. Is they not going to come back or what? Uh, now, what what type of plant was this? It was at a uh, I can't pronounce it. You, you, I was or something. Oh, you want us? You, I, I went to the uh, greenhouse and I showed it to them, and he said I should cut all the um, brown, the dead stuff off. You know, a lot of them got a lot of dead stuff, and if that's the case, it won't be no tree back, right? So right. You know, I'd just be very cautious about that because, yes, the foliage that's there that's brown is probably going to end up dropping. But also where those leaves are, not the flower, the leaf that's, uh, you know, has been damaged due to that cold spell. But also the twigs, you you should start to see or there should be already formed new buds that will be the foliage coming back out. So I'd just be really cautious about how much pruning you do because if you prune them back too far, there may not be any active buds and they may, you know, end up being just totally skeletized. Well, I don't think it's hot enough for them to really come back. Some of them is coming, it's green, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I didn't do it because I trust you more than I do anybody. (laughs) I know you don't know everything, but I'm (laughs) couple places and asked a couple people and, you know, and uh, went to two greenhouse. They, you know, said the same. That, that is the parts that I brought them was dead, you know. So I said that I would just uh, wait to Saturday 
and uh, I'm gonna hold up too much of your time. But I bought some bugs from Sam's and they was already bloomed out and I bought them in and put them in the good potty potty mix, right? Right. Not potty potty soil or potty mix. I would use potting mix. Potting soil is a little bit too dense and holds too much moisture. Yeah, I, I made a mistake and bought the wrong bag, but I had some other ones. Potted mix out there, so I didn't want to go out in the cold, so I just went and bought a bag and pick up the wrong bag. But anyway, I put them in the house by the window because when I try to do them in the basement, the basement is cold, and they don't do too good. So I put a plastic bag on because I leave it over them. Since you already got, I mean, those lilies I brought from Sam's, they already blooming. They are, you know. Right. They already blooming good. So I don't know if it would hurt to keep the plastic on them. And I got them in the kitchen by the window that get a lot of sun. Yeah, you probably don't need the plastic, to be honest. You don't? Okay. No. I just wanted to ask you so I don't make no mistakes. Right. But again, go out and check out your euonymus and just see if they're, I mean, the the new growth, the bud should be kind of a pinkish red at the tip of the branches. I, I do see a lot of that on them. Okay, then that's going to be, you know, if you prune, then you're cutting those off, and that's new foliage is going to be, you know, emerging as the weather gets warmer. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to leave them right there and see how they do by May. You know, when the sun and stuff go out and the weather stay warm. Right. Because they want the weather, too. So I'll just follow your directions. You know, I love you. So. Well, thank. Thanks, Gloria. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh-huh. You too. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Rock on. Guess what? The three main chemical and physical properties that influence your plant materials, so in other words, the soil, is the pH, the texture, and the organic matter in your soil. And a soil test, as you know, I always say soil test is extremely important. That's what tells you what those factors are. And so it can really make it so you know what you're doing and what you have and why you're having, let's say, not great success, but somewhat limited success. And, uh, yes, you got to do that. And realize that with a soil pH, the majority of plant material want to have their soil acidic. So don't be putting lime down just for the sake of lime. Certain plants need to even a lower acidic level. But uh, all the broadleaf evergreens and blueberries and things like that. But uh, in the normal lawn situation, the normal plant material, they want a soil pH about 5.5 to 7.5, depending upon the individual plant. So just keep that in mind. So don't routinely put any kind of lime down. Let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Good morning. Hey, I just had a couple questions about, um, like, actually indoor plants. Um, I have some uh, different variety of plants that have brown spots on them, and I've got online, and it says that, you know, it might be too much water, too less water, blah, 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 blah. Is there any suggestions that you can give me to help with that? I would say 
just make sure, well, you know how much you water. If you water routinely, so in other words, you water every week on Tuesday or whatever it happens to be, then it's probably a too much water circumstance. There are certain plants that can grow in water but uh, and grow in potting mix as well, but that's kind of what uh, I would be concerned with. So just maybe back off on the water. Now, the foliage that has the spots on it, that's not. I mean, those spots are going to stay there regardless of what you do. So what you're shooting for is just the new growth that comes to not have the spotting. Okay. And then, so should I prone those off, the ones with the brown spots? Will well, that affect the ones that are growing? No, it won't. You know, I mean, it can because this, if it's just spots and you still have the majority of the leaf is still green, it's still making food, and that's helping the overall health of the plant. So, no, okay. we don't want to necessarily see spots on, you know, foliage, but uh, don't cut the foliage off and then have basically no foliage because then the amount of, uh, let's say, chlorophyll food that the the plant has available for health is going to be reduced. Okay. And then how often should I um, should I fertilize the potted plants? The potted plants basically from... Let's say this time of year all the way up until, let's say, mid-October or so, once a month should be adequate. Okay. All right, great. Thank you very much. Yep. And uh, if you've got a specific type of plant that maybe needs a fertilizer that has certain micronutrients and things like that, you know, go to your favorite garden center and tell them the type of plant that you have. Or if you don't know what, you know, the exact plant name is, maybe take a picture with your phone or whatever and take the picture with you, and that way your garden center can tell you, this is probably going to be the better fertilizer for you. Thank you. Yep, and now let's go over to May's yard. Hi, May. Hello, May. And now let's go over to May's yard. Hi, May. May, are you there? Hello, I'm here. Okay. I heard my voice in the distance. Uh-huh. I just turned off the radio. Okay. Tell me, is uh, Epsom salts good fertilizer for zoysia grass? Epsom salts in and of itself, it's a, it's a micronutrient. It's not really a fertilizer per se. Oh. So. It's not going to help. It helps from a micronutrient standpoint, but it's not going to, it doesn't provide all the things that a fertilizer does. Oh, okay. So what what kind of fertilizer should I use on it, and is it time to fertilize now? It's uh, probably still brown, so consequently, you wait till it starts greening up, then just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have zoysia lawn, and they they will have a fertilizer specifically formulated for zoysia. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess that answers my question. Great. And I thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go over from Mays to Dan's. Hi, Dan. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I have uh, two Oakland holly bushes or trees in my yard, and they lost about 95% of their leaves this year. Um, I was wondering if they're going to come back. Well, all the, a lot of the broadleaf evergreens, depending upon exposure, overall health, and everything else, experience some major foliage droppage. I would say just leave them alone for right now. Don't do any pruning or anything. 
wait to see if the you know if the buds that emerge if they start you know producing new foliage then i would say even leave them alone after that and wait for a year or so before you do any kind of pruning whatsoever now if you have branches that uh no new leaves come out of you can cut those individual branches off but overall just don't do pruning per se Okay, because, I mean, the branches seem pliable. It's not like they're brittle or dead or anything. Right. But, uh, at, do you think that cold snap we had back in January where it got to, like, minus four or so had caused this? Yeah, I think it was prior to that. Okay. So, like, uh, right. I, f- I forget exactly when it was, but we had a really severe cold snap, that was with, which was ahead of the January one. Okay. I mean that could have okay. contributed, but it was already they were already in sort of bad shape. All right then, yeah, I guess I've had them for five years and I've never seen them do that. I mean, they drop a few leaves, but not like this, right. I guess. So okay, well I'll let them go and I'll see how it turns out. Yeah, just be patient. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. And now let's see what's going on in Judith's yard. Hi, Judith. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I live in southern Illinois, and I have another cold snap question for you. I've got some large 45-year-old azaleas, and the leaves are brown, and some of them are a little crispy. Um, Do they relief? Yeah, they should. I mean, as long as they're healthy and everything else, uh, I mean, it was just like the entire region, you know, suffered as a result of, and... I mean, the foliage is going to drop. There's nothing you can do about that, but just hopefully the bud formation should be there if they're overall healthy. Then after they finish flowering, they should be able to, you know, those should start producing some new foliage. Great. If not, Great. if they don't produce new foliage, then go ahead after the flowering is finished and go ahead and do some pruning, maybe prune about 10% off and see if you can encourage some uh Oh, okay. Some new foliage. And then also get some fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Yes, yes, I I use that. Okay, then you're doing everything you should. The rhododendrons sail through this cold snap just fine. Oh, really? Yes, they did. All right. Well, they. I mean, the azaleas have a thinner leaf. The rhododendrons have Mm -hmm. kind of a thicker leaf. Okay, okay. And my ivy beds are all brown, but... I've noticed everyone in my area has brown ivy right. leaves, but they'll they'll relief, won't they? They should, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. I really enjoy your show. Well, thanks for having me on your Wouldn't show. Wouldn't miss it a bit on Saturday morning. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> sure. And now let's go over to Frank Shard. Hi, Frank. Hi, Mike. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, Mike, I've never uh, put in any summer bulbs before. I've I've done tulips and and various things for you know in the fall, and it never occurred to me there were summer bulbs. And I have a nice area that I've been looking at, trying to figure out what to do. And I could put summer bulbs in there, but to be honest, Mike, I don't want to go through the uh, extensive process and then only get a week or two weeks of uh, flower. Uh, if you will, is there a particular summer bulb that perhaps gives you a little bit more um, time frame and after the bloom is up? Well, a lot of those, you know, the summer bulbs like caladiums and elephant ears, 
and cannas and things like that, you're really kind of growing those for the foliage. And with the cannas, you will get flowers on them. But, uh, I mean, you can get uh, foliage that has yellow streaks in it as far as with the cannas. With the elephant ears, it's just basically green. So, and with the gladiolas, that's going to be a summer bulb that is has a relatively short bloom period. That's why you have to buy multiples and plant them a, a week or two apart from each other. And then consequently, then you get a whole series of flowering. But generally, with, uh, you know, depending upon which variety it is, you're growing them for the foliage, but also for the, you know, the flowering aspect. And then take a look at the dahlias, too. There's lots of different types of dahlias, size-wise, height-wise, and then consequently, as a result, different varieties are going to have an extended period of time of bloom. Oh, okay. That sounds great. Uh, and I guess any time within the next month or so, is that the appropriate time frame? Yeah. As, I mean, as soon as the garden centers start carrying them, then you can go ahead and plant them. Oh, great, great. Well, thank you, Mike. Yep, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What defines us is who we are as a collective group and and, uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 9.35 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Anne Marie's yard. Hi, Anne Marie. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have a very large white pine tree in my backyard and therefore a very big bald spot underneath it. Yes. Um, I tried grass, grass seed, no way. Right. So what do you recommend for good ground cover? And, And know that there is grass lawn on either side of it. It's a small patch. Um, so something that maybe could be mowable, I'm not going to limit myself to that. I could always, you know, turn the mower off for a second and go over it, um, without cutting something. But what's a good ground cover? What's a good solution to that problem? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's going to be really difficult to get anything established. So probably what I would do is I would probably buy a six-pack of maybe a couple different ground covers and plant them, plant them about halfway from the tr- where the trunk is to the extension of the branches, so in other words, the drip line, 
and plant them, uh, you know, uh, like three or four feet apart and just see which one is going to be able to get established in that situation because it is going to be tough. So I would look at periwinkle, which is a, a evergreen ground cover that grows pretty darn flat and has, uh, let's say, uh, bluish flowers this time of year or a little bit later than this. And maybe uh, a liriope, which I don't know if you were listening to the first hour, but we talked about some liriope. The spreading type liriope, get that. And then probably uh, look at a, an English or Baltic ty- ivy type. And just get uh, you know, a few plants of each one, try it and see which ones are going to be you know, able to withstand that situation. Because it's very acidic because of the needles and everything else and just the, you know, the, just the root system of the pine tree is going to be really aggressive as far as, you know, uptaking all the nutrients and moisture, and you're not going to be able to, you know, put enough down to compensate for that. So because if you put too much, then it's going to have an adverse impact on your pine. Um, Okay, back to the periwinkle. That's going to bloom a a bluish flower. Right, in the spring. But in the spring only. So does it... Say a darker green the rest of the season? Yeah, it's foliage. It's year-round evergreen. Okay. And can you give me the spelling on a riot? Because I have a particular um, plant in mind when you say that, if I want to make sure. Okay, it's L-I-R-I-O-P-E, liriope. Okay. Um, and that's the one that now comes out in a lot of different shades? Well, it's basically not not different shapes. Oh, shades. No, shades. Well, there's one, one. There's a clump, like you know, grower that has a yellow streak on the leaf, but for the most part, they are just green. Okay. Um, and do I need to till in there first? Well, just you know, be you know, care. I would just probe around, and rather than rototill the thing, since you're you're testing, and just you know. Probe around, find an area where there's not a whole lot of root system right there, and plant in that, you know, plant in that circumstance. Okie doke. Thank you so much. Yeah. Any other suggestions? The, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, so, it has been. Yeah, and there's not well, going to be, uh, those are, the, the, you know, the probably the toughest ones that I know that have a possibility. But uh, for the most part, I would say, Embrace the pine needles and just love it. And um, if you want to have some color there, maybe just uh, put some uh, larger pots and plant some seasonal color in the pots as opposed to trying to grow something in the ground. No, it's a major throughway there, so oh. it's going to be in the way. Right. Um, and and a dog path. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck. Bye. And let's see where. Let's go over to Donna's yard now. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Uh, I lost a bush in my front of my house uh, about five years ago, and I've, the hole's been empty for a long time. Anyway, I'd like to replace something there. It was a, a quince bush, so there wasn't too many roots at that time. But anyway, I'm looking for a shrub that wouldn't get very big, say, maybe three to four feet in diameter, hopefully something that would have some color to it. Um, I'm not sure if there is such a thing as a smaller crepe myrtle, 
but uh, wanted to know if you had any suggestions uh, for a, a shrub for that spot. I also, that area is, uh, I have river rock out there, so it gets pretty hot in the afternoon sun. So it is a sunny location. Yes, very much. So, I mean, there are, you know, some smaller growing crepe myrtles. So you might, if that's, if that's, you know, I mean, you had that kind of thought in mind, so you could go ahead and give one of those a shot. Mm-hmm. But do you have any other idea other than a crepe? Let's say, let's say you wanted three to four feet, uh, yeah. full sun, and a quince won't work. Uh, there's some... The quince, uh, go ahead. Oh, I mean... There's something that's not going to get quite as tall as what you want, Nandina domestica, which is a common name, heavenly bamboo. Take a look at that. It doesn't have – the flowering is not great, but the foliage on some of the varieties is going to give you good color, and the color is going to be pretty much all through the growing season. And so, Does that have the rhizomes, though, like the other bamboos? No, it does not. It's not really bamboo. The technical name – as uh, are the common name, just gives it the bamboo tone, but it's not a bamboo per se. I see. Okay, I'll I'll look for something like that too. Then, um, other question I had is uh, about two months ago, a lady was on your program who was talking about how she did get rid of all her moles, uh, and it wasn't the typical trapping. Would you, by any chance, remember what what her method was? Yeah, it was an injection system. So, oh, so the poison. That's yeah, exactly. Oh. So well, I have a dog, and I'm afraid she would probably go digging for it and eat it. <laughs> she's a new puppy, and she's already going crazy outside. <laughs> well, with the traps, what you can do is put a, a you know a bucket over the top of the trap. Yeah, yeah, I could, but I don't think I want to get my fingers trapped off. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bucket is just going to be sitting on top of the you know of the trap, yeah. but anyway. Okay, and one other thing, um, is there a, uh, what do you call it, like a recipe in making loamy soil? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, just adding organic matter to it, depending upon, you know, I would first of all get a soil test done and find out what your soil is all about and then kind of go from there. But adding organic matter like compost is basically what you're going to have to do. Okay, all right. All right, then. I'll look into that, too. All okay. Right. I thank you. Yep. Have a good day. Yep. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Let's go over to Elias's house. Hi, Elias. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have uh, two questions. I have a gardenia, and for two years... Doing well, you know, green leaves and all this stuff. But this winter, start going south, and now only brown stick in the pot. Yeah, not too much you can do. Gardenias really just don't like being a house plant. They will survive. You know, some people will, you know, have called and said they've had some for many, many years. But for the most part, a couple years, if you've got that, you know, that much growth out of them, then you've been very lucky and very skillful, but there's not too much else you can do. Are yeah, any- our neighbor is a landscaper. He put it in the pot like 24 inches. Every spring blooming, you know, like almost 30, 40 flowers. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. My second question, 
15 years ago, or maybe 20, a car hit my white perch. Shall I plant one like a Japanese uh, uh, tree in the same spot? Oh, yeah. If it was that long ago, you could certainly do that. This is what I thought, yeah. And my third question for the bulb, like a tulip, you know, and daffodil, shall I keep them in the ground in summer or shall I take them, uh, I mean, in winter, shall I take them out now and plant, you know, like spring flowers? No, and no, how no. You those, bu- those bulbs stay in the ground year-round. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I have, I have to plant like begonia and other flowers. Uh, you know, close to them, you know, but I don't want to damage the bulb in the ground. You no, see what you I should, mean? They should uh, have a symbiotic relationship together and, you know, not have a bad influence on either. Oh, okay. Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure. And now let's go over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm okay. My front yard has a couple issues. <laughs> First off, my uh, I had a section of zoysia replaced. There are trillions of wild onions popping up through the zoysia. So what do I do for that to get rid of those wild onions? Yeah, that's a tough one because wild onions basically have narrow blades, so you can't really use a grass killer or anything like that. And uh, this is, uh, I don't know exactly if they weren't there before. Did you have some something added to your soil before you put some new sod down? No, it was a construction project, and uh, the construction company had a contractor come in later to roll some sod, and it took a couple years to get established. And I'm, I'm just wondering if in that time the wild onions kind of took root and took over. Well, they can't come out of nowhere, so they had to come in with something. So if they weren't there prior to, you know, this circumstance, some way they were brought in, either on, with the sod or something along that line. Great. Okay. Second question is liriope on my front yard. It's right. it's getting brown. Anything, was that the harsh cold snap we had around Christmas? Anything to do? Yeah, that? I mean, that had something to do with it. And liriope can go dormant, you know, and do this brownness many years. So, I mean, just set your mower high and just run over it with a mower. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And as far as the you know, wild onions go, taking an herbicide and just painting it onto the wild onions and uh, like uh, Roundup or something along that line, that's a or, you know, do it that way as opposed to it, trying to control it any other way. Now let's go over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning. Good morning. Um, about two years ago, my yard was I was beautiful, loved it. And for some strange reason, I think I read it somewhere, um, I cut my grass really short before they came in and aerated and seeded. And ever since then, um, I have these white patches of grass in, in different areas of the yard along my driveway and sidewalk. And for two years, I've, I've you know tried to, to bring that back, and I just can't do it. Um, any suggestions? It's a little tough. I mean, those are kind of really difficult circumstances because of the heat of the pavement and the concrete and things like that. So it's just going to be a a constant ongoing battle. So there's not going to be anything that's going to, let's say, because it's already headed downhill uh, to try to bring it back other than doing some major amount of improvements to that soil and uh, 
that's about all you're going to be able to do. And uh, then that's not even a guarantee. Then lay sod down in those spots, but uh, it's still going to be somewhat iffy. Okay. All right. So the, you think that cutting is what caused that? Yeah, scalping it down can do that because then you expose the, the crown the crown of the plant. That's where the root system and the blades meet, and then that kills the you know the kills the crown off, and uh, that's probably what happened. Okay. All right. So my my fault. All right. Thank <laughs> <Yep>. you. <laughs> so good luck with that. And uh, Dave, can you do it? You're gonna have to do it real quick. Hello. Yeah, you got to do it real quick. Yeah, I was just wondering about uh, when's the best time to apply crabgrass pre-emergence uh, killer. Uh, basically, get it down ASAP. You mean like right now? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And sorry, Sandy and Ron, we're not going to be able to get to you today, but uh, I think the show will be on next week. I don't know for sure. Anyway. Everybody, spring is here. Enjoy the magnolias. Enjoy the red buds. Enjoy the maple trees. Enjoy all the daffodils, tulips. I haven't seen them bloom yet, but uh, crocus, everything else. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.